Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Oh, wait, 7140106 is our WhatsApp number. Our email address is afternoon at newstalk.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again uh, for the Parenting Talk. Good afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, and congratulations on making a profit from, from Halloween. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody calls, but I always have sweets. So we the, have uh, no, because I, I, I feel really bad. Like we overbuy or we yeah. think we overbuy and then we run out. And then you have to do that awful thing. We're going to turn out the lights and you're going, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Are, no, we only out. had a handful of slightly older kids coming and it was oh. great to see them. They, I'd say they were Maybe preteen or very young teenagers, but they were thrilled because they made out like bandits. We were just handing out, take it all. <laughs> uh, right. Anyway, here's uh, your first question. On, on that subject, actually, I have a slight concern about a habit of my son. For the third year in a row, he refused to dress up for Halloween. We had two instances this year. Last Friday, he wouldn't wear a costume for his class party. He ended up being the only person out of his friends who didn't dress up. And again, last night, he opted not to go trick-or-treating because he didn't want to dress up. He's nine now, and I'm conscious that he only has a few more years of getting to trick-or-treat. I don't want him to miss out. Last year, he started bawling, crying when we made him dress up, so he didn't even attempt it this year. He won't tell me why he hates it, but it's breaking my heart. Any recommendations on how I can get uh, him over this? I know it's only once a year issue, but he's already missed out and I don't want it to happen again. Oh, I mean, I just, there's this scene that you you really want this for him. I can totally feel it. You know, these are parents mm. like, please enjoy it. Please love it because we will, we will love you doing it. But this child is letting you know, I hate this. Yeah. I yeah. absolutely hate it. He started bawling, crying when you made him dress up. It's supposed to be fun. So just stop. I would say stop this entirely. I think we have to hold in mind. And I think this came up a week or two ago with someone about Halloween. You either love Halloween or you really don't. And then some of us are somewhere in the middle, but we can have extreme reactions to it. And we should hold in mind that dressing up especially at Halloween, because it's it's not just dressing up, it's dressing up with an edge. You know, it's more than book day. You yes, know, book day absolutely. is a softer dress yeah. up. But this is full on, you know, there's makeup, it's scary stuff. There's a lot of imagery. It is a full on sensory experience. Now, quite apart from it being a sensory experience, it is OK and entirely possible that some children just don't like it. There's no sensory aspect to it. They just don't like it. He's entitled to not like it and mm. he's entitled to oppose it. And I do, I get it from a parent perspective too, Sean, because dress up days, be that in school or be it around, it is a way of bringing playfulness and imagination and helping children to engage with a topic, a theme or within a learning environment. There's a lot of pro-social benefits and it's fun and parents just really enjoy it because there probably is a narrow window that I also think Halloween is a great opportunity for adults to play and get dressed up and mm, be silly yes, and yeah, wear yeah. the funky earrings and the, the funny hats and everyone to get into it. But hold in mind, it can be a cause of stress and anxiety for some children who really don't get into it. Mm. And you've got one of those. And I would say... Two things. If it's, you know, I'm thinking you're saying it's one day a year, but there's also book day, which I think is increasingly a big dress up day in schools. Be it Halloween or book day, if he wants to be a part of it with everybody else, but hates the costume, maybe choose a character that dresses very similarly to how he does regularly. 
you know, that could be a sports player and he just wears his football kit. Yeah. Or it could be just someone who dresses in jeans, hoodie and runners. And that's the character. <laughs> and to help everyone else who's going to be like, are you dressed up? He could wear a name badge with the character's name on it. And that's simple. But if he doesn't want to do it at all, he might be happy to be. And I saw this myself trick-or-treating last night, a number of children not dressed up, but happy to open the doors and engage with the ones who were dressed up. Mm. So there is lots of ways to get involved. And if he really is like, hate all aspects of this, make it about another way of celebrating for him that he can watch a movie of his choice with a snack of his choice, curled up under a blanket on the sofa. And like you say yourself, it is one day for Halloween. Do not make that one day a cause of distress and upset for him. Yeah, because it doesn't sound, well, we don't know because she didn't mention it, but it doesn't sound like he's upset because he, he, he doesn't want to do it, if you know what I mean, yeah. because his peers are doing it and he wishes he could. No, it sounds he like seems he quite just happy doesn't want to do, to do it. it. Yeah. That's exactly how I'm reading it too. And this is three years in a row. This isn't like him going, I'm nine, I'm a bit cool now and I don't mm. want to do it because I think I've outgrown it. This is a child who's like, I don't like this. So I think we have to hear that and respect it as well. And yeah, this might be a time of year that he endures rather than enjoys. And that's his experience of it. But I do think we can find other ways to to engage with Halloween. And it might be there's some beautiful books, Halloween themed storybooks, not all scary, though there's nothing wrong with a little bit of that for slightly older kids as well. But maybe getting him some nice books and reading and doing crafts and engaging in other playful ways is a way that he's engaging with Halloween without the dressing up. Yeah. Someone says, I have the same issue with my son. Would never force him to dress up, but I'd like to know why he has this issue. I worry someone said something to him before or there is some previous trauma. Well, it's, it can simply be overwhelming. Like mm. it is full on, you know, when all of your peers are, you know, the school day. And I think a lot of schools are really sensitive to this. You know, I know certainly I can speak for my own school. It was an invitation to dress up if you want to. Yes. Not everyone yeah. had to. And some children went in in what would certainly look like their own clothes, be that a character or, or simply how they wanted to dress. And I think it, it's important that we don't push children on this. So I wouldn't read necessarily, unless you know there's a trauma, by the way, I wouldn't yeah. read that into it. Costumes like Halloween costumes, they can be kind of itchy, uncomfortable, yes. sweaty. I mean, it really is a sensory experience. Lots of kids don't like face paints and things like that, or they don't like the big headdresses. So really, it's about finding what what works for your child and keeping it. I mean, they get so much stuff on doorsteps too. People are very kind and generous. Short bursts. They don't need to be out for two, three hours trick yes. or treating. You know, <laughs> go, go for the win here. You know, everyone will have fun for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, mm. then wrap it up before it. Everybody's getting cold and I'm ratty tired, and the yeah. handles on the bag are breaking and, you know, <laughs> my sweets are falling and whatever it is that kicks off. But if you have a child who doesn't like it, Find a way to support them around that. Yeah. He's probably not just a, he's not a fancy dress person. But Some people, that's how adults, it sounds love like, doesn't that it? kind of stuff and other people go, mm, But you yeah. see, and as an adult, you're allowed to say, absolutely yeah. not going to your costume party, thanks yeah, for the invite. Yeah. But we have to afford children the same right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my youngest daughter hated dressing up as a child. Uh, I, being me, put on a costume anyway. Fifteen <laughs> years later, it's her absolute favourite photo of herself as a child in costume. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Uh, says Colette. Uh, someone else says, my son flat refused to put his pyjamas on for a pyjama party in junior infants, was the only child in the class who didn't. We admired his stance and the fact that he didn't mind being the only one not following the crowd. Applaud your son. It's hard to be different. Yeah. Fair enough. 
My oldest daughter hates when other children are around and can get very aggressive and stroppy. Her grandmother looks after her every day after school. And when it's uh, the two of them, my mam has no issues with her. However, when the other cousins are at the house, she turns into a different child. She shouts at the younger cousins, refuses to play with them and even hits them. I've explained to her that she can't do this, but her behaviour is getting worse. It only seems to be like this when our cousins are around. I would hate for someone to treat my children the way she treats others. This mm. is a tricky one because I don't know how old this yes, child yeah. is. So that would affect all aspects of this, really. Um, because, you know, she's the oldest in your family. You refer to her as your oldest daughter. So she's used to being around younger siblings, yeah. younger children, or at least younger than her. And, you know, there's nothing about how she is with other children at school or activities. So I have to assume she's OK in those yeah, contexts. Yeah. So for me... It feels like this is in an isolated setting and it's feeling like resentment at sharing granny yeah, with cousins. Yeah. Not, not you know, in one way, it's not so much about the other kids. It's the fact that you're all here taking granny away from me. So when it's just granny and I, we have this lovely time together and I have all of her focus and attention and I have that really lovely connection with her. And I don't want to share that mm. with anyone else. Yeah. Now, all of that might explain what's going on, but it won't excuse the behaviour. Like you're describing some pretty physical behaviour. So again, I'm like, how old is she? Because for a younger child to be hitting out, we would look at that differently. Like if a four-year-old is hitting younger cousins, that's very different to a nine-year-old yes, doing yeah, it. Absolutely. And how you yeah. respond would be very different because developmentally at four, I'm still kind of doing that bit of I'm cross, so I want to upset you so you know how upset I am. Mm. But it's not that my intention is to hurt you. It's that I convey my feeling. At nine, I know that when I hit you, it hurts. So there's more to it than that. So again, depending on her age, either way, regardless of her age, though, put boundaries in place, set limits and help and support her to express her feelings in a more appropriate way. That's going to be a part of however you respond to it. But I think... See, again, I don't know her age, but ideally, if she is over kind of five, six years old, over six, I'd be sitting down and talking to her and using that empathy and reflection of how would it feel if somebody hit you or kicked you? And very clear, this is not OK. Mm-hmm. And you might want to couch it in in a kind of ACT approach, you know, acknowledge her feeling. It's really hard for you to share granny with the others because you can get jealous. You can feel like you'd have a better time without them. I acknowledge what that's like for her because you're reflecting reflecting back her own feeling, which she may or may not understand. Then the C is for communicate a limit. It's not okay to hurt people. We don't hit, kick, hurt, whatever it is she's doing, other kids. That's not okay. Mm. Very clear boundary and limit. And the T then is target an alternative behaviour with her. So the next time you feel like this, here's what you could do. You tell me what you think you could do instead. Let's come up with a system. And you put a lot of focus into that targeting and alternative behavior. Because that way she's like, oh, I hit the cousins, which isn't okay, but I do it because I'm having big feelings about sharing granny. And now I know when I have those feelings, I can do something else instead. Mm. That's going to be a more effective way than just constantly saying, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Nothing is learned from just stop it. And it seems like it's up to granny to do this anyway, actually. And I think it's collaborative, really. You know, I think as the parent of this child, you do want to reinforce it. But granny's also clearly dealing with a lot in the moment there Mm. as well. So I think, look. 
of course, she wants to spend one to one time with her granny and that when it's possible should be facilitated. That's clearly a special relationship. Yeah. But she also younger. has to learn granny yeah. isn't hers. Mm, yeah. Now, that could be the case, Sean, yeah. if younger cousins, if if once upon a time granny really was hers and mm. hers alone. Yeah. And now there's little siblings and little cousins and all of this. And that's hard. Mm. And it's okay that it's hard, but it's not okay that when you find things hard, you start lashing out. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. But you can see perhaps why, because it's kind of similar to questions we've got before yeah. about there's a new baby. You know, I have no idea why my six-year-old is going nuts, but, you know, we have a one-year-old it's here. It's so you hard know. for them, yeah. you know, and especially because, especially when you say, you know, when it's just the two of them, your mom has no issues with her. That must be so lovely for her because mm. no other part of her life is it just her and somebody else. So I'm not saying the cousins can't visit. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. But it may need to be managed that, you know, it's acknowledged to her in advance. Tomorrow when you're with Granny, it won't just be you. Other cousins will be there. So that's not a shock to her when she gets there. Yeah. And yeah. she didn't have a picture in her mind that her and Granny would be baking scones or reading stories or out in the garden or going for a walk or whatever it is they would do. That sounds great. I want Doesn't to go to Granny's lovely? house go as well. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but that she just has that idea of, oh, I'm cross, but I get some of that out of my system before the cousins are there. Yeah. My son is in third year in secondary school and they're organising a class trip abroad before Christmas to London. It's a two-night trip and I'm on edge about letting my son go. He's autistic and a routine is very important for him. When we go on family holidays, I normally have everything organised, which I know will help him along the travel route. He's very mature and I've spoken to him about my concerns. He's still adamant that he wants to go. My fear is that he does, if he does get overwhelmed with 30 other pupils on the trip, that the teachers won't be able to cater for his needs while on the trip. My husband thinks this could be good for my son and that we should let him go. I know what happens when he gets overwhelmed and I'd hate for him to experience this while in the airport, at a tourist attraction or sharing a room with a classmate. He does have a good group of friends and I've no doubt will look after him, but they wouldn't have the level of knowledge if something was to go wrong. I know a day is coming soon when he will have to do something on his own, but this feels like a, a bit extreme. Could you discuss how to discuss, recommend how to discuss this with him? I think you are discussing it, actually. I think, you know, you've spoken to him. You've clearly discussed it as as parents together, albeit that you're not on the same page about it, but <laughs> you are discussing it. I think, you know, as well as sharing all of your fears, and I do want to emphasize that much of this is your fear. Yes. Yeah. And you say it, you say it yourself, you say, my fear is that X, Y, Z. You have to, I totally empathize with that, by the way, and I mm. get it because you have been parenting your son to function in a very neurotypical world when actually he does have dysregulation challenges. And that's been part of your parenting to really focus and support him. And now you're seeing he's approximately 15 years old mm. and the time it's not coming, it's here. The yes. time is here that <laughs> yeah. he's going, you know, a day is coming soon. He'll have to do something on his own. That day is here. I totally appreciate, though, this parent's hesitancy, because if you were to just answer this with a parenting viewpoint, two, the first time he's away from you on his own, two nights away at Christmas in London, that's pretty away. Yeah, it is. You know, that yeah, is a is, big yeah. city yeah. at a yeah. very busy time of year. There will be a lot of stimulus and it's two nights, not one. It's not like he's going down to an adventure centre on the other yeah. side of the country and you could get there in a couple of hours of driving to him. So I get it. And all of that said, you may still have to 
let him go mm. because he's letting you know, yeah, yeah, I know. I know it might be hard. Yeah, I know that might happen. Yeah, I know. I know because this is his experience. Yeah, you, yeah. you know his struggles, but he lives them. Mm. So this is not new information for him. And he's telling you, I want to go. I still want to go. So while you're sharing your worries, and I think you have, I'm also going to ask you to share your hopes that it goes well, that he has fun and that it's a successful experience for him and that you want to ensure that he is as supported as possible on this trip, asking him what he think will help. Now, if he looks at you going, nothing, I'm grand, don't worry about it. And you're going, mm, that's not sitting with me. <laughs> okay, You might need, and I think it's no harm anyway, talk to the teachers. I assume with 30 teenagers of that age going to London at Christmas, there's going to be a few teachers yeah, going. Yeah, okay. yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And, you know, you're saying he does well with the routine. Is it possible to get a copy of the trip agenda ahead of time so he can mm. see what that routine is going to be like? Because there will be a, a routine and an agenda to manage that group. Talk to the teachers. It may be that, you know, one of those could be more available to your son with advanced knowledge that mm. he can let them know I'm having a tough time, whatever it is. They keep an eye on him. And you say he has a great group of friends, which is all fantastic. Yes. I also think you could ensure he has some sensory regulating items with him. Again, you know your son, what's going to work for him. But things like earphones, you know, those inner loop earphones that just you can still be engaged, but just turn down some of the stimulus and noise mm. involved, um, a fidget toy, something squeezy, squidgy, something that he knows will work for him, but is quite discreet because I'm thinking of things like the tube, the airport, yeah. noise is going to be very big and making sure that he's aware of what's going to happen. Look, I'd love to say to you, um, could you do a night away more locally before that? But it's already November and this is before Christmas so I feel and, like it's yeah, imminent. <laughs> yeah and plus also it's London so so yeah. he, I, I'm assuming he's never been to London before and he, he, he it, there's no way of preparing him for that. No there isn't. Other than bringing him there. No there really. isn't at all and so I, that's what I mean I think it's bigger than just a night away from family. Mm. I think it's where he's going and the duration and with who. I think though this might be you know your son is saying he wants to go his dad is saying it'll be good for him to go Talk to the teachers, get their perspective as well and just own your own fears and anxiety, but don't make yeah. them his fears and anxiety. But I do get it. I do get yeah. why this parent is worried. Would it help actually to, you know, sit him down in front of the computer, show him YouTube videos tour. Yeah, of what's yeah. it like being on the tube? What's it like walking or down Shaftesbury Avenue? That kind of thing. If you had the agenda, you could literally Google map and yeah, zone in and yeah. look at places. Um, if he's going to museums, I imagine they will at least once in that trip. You can do virtual tours of most of the museums. Mm. You could absolutely do all of that. I think getting the agenda of the trip well in advance now, if you can, yeah. is actually really important. Yeah. And hopefully it's a good time. I th that's and that's absolutely. Yeah. And it's really good that he feels he can do this. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's really good sign that you've prepared him so well throughout his life now that he's like, I feel like I could do it. It's just, I mean, again, the parents I just going, you know, you can't get to him if something kicks off. So you do need a teacher to be very much on the ball and mm. saying, I'm aware that he might struggle. I'm aware and I will make sure that he is proactively checked, checked yeah. in with. And again, there might be a good friend of his who could also say, I will reach out to that teacher if I think my friend is struggling. 
My daughter recently started Montessori. We were thrilled when she finally got a place because we've been trying to find somewhere for her for ages. She hadn't been in the Montessori a week before the teacher came, uh, called me to inform me that she had been behaving quite aggressively towards the other children, pushing and shouting at them if she grew frustrated over toys or some games they were involved in. I'm really shocked at this behaviour as she doesn't behave like this at home with my husband or and I or with her siblings. Do you know what might be causing this? What I can do to stamp it out? I mean, she was quick, wasn't she? She hit the ground running. Yeah. Within a week, she's doing this. And being at home in your safe place with your safe, trusted attachment network of parents and siblings is not the same as going to an entirely new environment with lots of same age peers, all competing for the same activities, toys, props, mm, paintbrushes, yeah. colours. It's not the same thing. And she may have just gotten overwhelmed by all of that. I'd be curious, though, um, and the Montessori were very quick to let you know, hey, look, at mm. she's struggling, which is great because they're clearly observing closely. But I would be curious with them to track when this is most likely to happen. You know, is it as she's coming in and out of transitions, you know, from indoors to outdoors, outdoors to indoors, or from a seated activity to a more free play activity? Is there a pattern to when maybe it's coming into snack time, lunchtime? Maybe it's when I'm getting tired. Exactly that. That is there a more sensory basis to this as well? I mean, none of us are great when we're Mm. hungry, thirsty, tired. Um, The shared space, I think, is a big one. But I'd keep an eye if it's the unstructured, you know, when they're just playing themselves Mm. and pottering around. And it could simply be competing with a larger group for single or two adult attention in that. Um, I also would be asking them just to talk you through the day and you know what she was used to at home and the type of child she is, but is the level of stimulation or movement enough for her? You know, is she having to do too many task-oriented stuff or is she able to just potter around at her leisure or is this the first time she's had to follow those more directive instructions? Yeah. And is that part of it? It could be overstimulation, understimulation, by the way. Um, I think if you guys track it, you will better understand it. She's also at an age, by the way, developmentally of lower frustration threshold. That's the best way I could put that. You know, <laughs> there are many ways to describe that. But, you know, developmentally kids her age tend to be quicker to react. Their frustration threshold is lower, just aligned with how much higher their impulsivity is. So when you mix some high impulsivity with low frustration threshold, you will get acting out behaviours. And she might be someone who doesn't act out in a kind of, oh, I'm struggling and I want to get quiet or, you know, I'll use my words. Her expression might be, again, I'm not saying it's okay, but it might be physical. It's still relatively early days, okay? And Mm -hmm. she's still settling in. This is new for her. Reinforce kindness, turn-taking, impulse control play, you know, like stop-start games. We've done musical statues is a great one. Um, Red light, green light is another one. And sometimes I I would use uh, just simple household items like a toilet roll and get your child to stand still like a statue and just wrap them shoulders down to their wrists with their hands by their side and have them wait, wait, no more than five or six seconds. They're Mm. only little. And then bust out when you say bust out. So she has to kind of hold it, hold it, hold it, release. And then you can gather up all those bits of toilet paper, hold them out and she can chop them with her hand out straight when you mm. say karate, chop, chop. But wait, 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 go. Wait, 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 go is all of that type of play. And I think that's how you reinforce all of that impulse control mm. and reciprocity, taking your cues from adult in charge, because you're not going to sit down and lecture her on this behaviour. You have to do the communication. Is it a little uh, surprising that the Montessori were ringing up 
the parent in the first week saying this. You would have thought a Montessori wouldn't be experienced enough to know. I don't know how aggressive she was. Um, yeah, that's true. They may have yeah. had to if they're acting for other children in this mm. as well, yeah, because other true. parents will be saying, sorry, my child's only here a week and they're getting hit. What's going on? So I think it's hard when you're in early years education to try and balance the needs of all the children involved, the one doing the hitting and the one being hit. Mm. You have to kind of stay in the middle. And it may have been an effort just to flag, look, we're wobbling at the moment. Not unusual at all yeah, that she yeah. would settle and stabilise within say, five, six weeks of going, you know, and now that she's used to it, it's predictable, it's familiar to her. She's like, yeah, I get it now. I can work within this system. But when things are new, none of us are great with that. And small children can get easily overwhelmed with newness. Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. uh, Joanna Fortune there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.